Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a couple moments and relax, just whatever might be at your forefront of your mind, just let that fall by the wayside and anything that's pressing, anything that's stressful, anything that's going on in your mind, just let it fall by the wayside. Let's just be aware of the presence of God. He's always present. He's always there. We don't have to convince him or Reach out to him. He's he's with you and in you, and you are with him and in him. Your spirit is one with God. Spirit dwells in spirit. You are one with him right now in your spirit. A problem is not a spiritual relationship with God. A problem is a solical relationship with our spirit. We were born without that solical connection. And when we were reborn, born again, all of a sudden that spirit was there. Our true nature was reborn, relivened, in one with God. So that's not the problem. Our relationship with God is not the problem. It's our relationship between our soul and our spirit that's the problem. We've talked a lot about how to cooperate with God through waiting and through listening and learning to have confidence and being able to hear him. And and with learning about the supernatural, we're expanding our awareness of the opportunities that we have here on this earth to cooperate with God, to Become one spirit, soul, and body. His purpose for you and me is that you would be one spirit, soul, and body. That's the original intent of creation that here on this earth that these beings that he's placed his spirit in would would have a soul and live in a body. And without getting too off track and talking about why he did that and the mechanics of it, what what we're now working to do is restore that oneness, spirit, soul, and body. So in one sense, we're returning to the original makeup of a being here on this earth, a spirit being with a soul that lives in a body. Well, then why did God let his creation, these these beings, go through whatever process where now we have to be restored, where all this chaos and all this sin and all the tumult and all the time why didn't he just keep us 
spirit, soul, and body. You know, he he refers to his in the scriptures. He refers to Adam as his son. Why did, then was it necessary through our separation? Why he could, if if he wanted to, none of this was necessary. He could have kept Adam and Eve from sinning, from choosing to do something God didn't want them to do. He could have kept them. What was his purpose in allowing and purposing and creating the circumstances and having all the players where they needed to be for that fall to take place, to take place that lowering of Adam and Eve from being spirit beings to being dead in their spirit and separated from God. What benefit, if any, is there to God? And I would propose, and we've talked before, I think a big reason is there are qualities of character and nature in our soul, soulical nature, that we would not have if we were never separated from God. That that separation was somehow necessary to experience apartness from him. Without being away from him, we would not value him the same way. Adam and Eve took God for granted. And there was no blame involved in that. It's just a fact. It's not that they were wrong for doing that. They had never experienced existence without a spirit connection with God. They had all of their needs met. Through spirit, spiritual connection with God. They had all their needs for love. They had all their needs for acceptance and for value and for significance and for purpose. All their needs were already met. God provided everything. God fulfilled their needs completely because they were one with him. And then they also had a soul and a body. It is only that loss of God meeting all their needs that they were would ever be able to appreciate what they had. And that's, I think, what God is one of the main things. There's probably others, and, you know, this is just where we're at. You know, God reveals himself in his own timing and in his own ways. But for me, this is the most significant, is learning the how to value a relationship with God, to value God himself, to value that he meet, meets our needs. How do we do that? We experience him meeting our needs. We, shall we say, let him do that. We go to him with our needs. We don't... Tr- try to do things ourselves the way we've been doing it for generation upon generation. Even much of 
Christianity, Western Christianity, is based on, you know, the whole idea of, okay, God did so much to save me. Now it's up to me to do so much to show my appreciation. No. God's grace gives us a new life. And we simply receive it unconditionally and say thank you unconditionally. But we've been programmed, our soul is so used to being in charge that it doesn't like unconditional anything. Our soul is suspicious. It's going to say, what's the catch? You know, there are times that the church goes through the cycle of being caught up in backsliding. And what's the unforgivable sin? Because our soul is suspicious. What's the catch? What do I have to give up for unconditional love? Well, by definition, nothing. You simply receive it. Well, no, that's not good enough. There's got to be a catch. Because that's the way our soul has been used to living been used to surviving, really, not even living. So that's the process God has us in on an individual basis, teaching us how to value him, starting with accepting that he has already met our needs. Now we need to make that practical. So on a day-to-day basis, you know, where where do we spend when... When we're in certain circumstances, God is very prevalent in our minds, our hearts, our souls. Those are usually when we've run out of solutions or options that are under our control. You know, we turn to God when all else has failed. When he wants us to learn to not have to turn to him at all because we're in him but at least to turn to him first. We start there. He is our first choice. He is our first, he is the first cause of everything, every circumstance in our life. And as we relearn, you know, again, our soul is used to going, you know, first thing, there's a problem, it turns to its own toolbox. Gets out the prayer chain. It gets out its own ways of doing things, its own ways of dealing with things. God, again, God doesn't hold that against us. But on the other hand, God already has all the answers, has all everything that is needed for any situation. He has it all. It may not be what we want. It may not be the solution or the circumstance-changing event or solution that we want, but it's life-giving, his life. Again, maybe not necess- not necessarily what we were thinking. You know, we pray and, and he answers and sometimes it's no and sometimes, I'm not going to tell you about that now, it's, and sometimes it's do whatever you want. Either, either way, is any choice you, you make is fine. We want certain things to be answered and responded to by God in a certain way. Well, that's not really our prerogative. Because remember, in your spirit, you've, you're one with God. 
So you've already said yes to every aspect of your life. You've already agreed with him that this life you're living now is what is necessary to bring you into appreciation of who he is. To bring you into oneness, spirit, soul, and body. So when we're looking, very often we look for complex explanations of what God is doing in our life, when really it's very simple. Are we turning to him first? Not just out of our strength, but out of our weakness. You know, those who are intellectual, have a strong mind, want to figure God out. And we'll turn to him because it makes sense. We've figured it out and this is what we do. Some people are emotional and they really feel his presence and they turn to him because they feel it's the right thing to do. Others want, want to do something. They want to act. So they turn to God because it gives them something to do, something that they have control over. But those are all solical aspects. And none of them is better or worse than another. They're all exactly where God, what God, you have the soul that God wanted you to have. He gave it to you. It's not broken. It's just not healthy. You, in your soul, you believe lies. You're wounded. You've been rejected. You've been deceived. You've been lied to. You've been betrayed. You believe, based on your history, there's generational things that you're dealing with, just like in your physical DNA. And God knows all of that, and he doesn't hold it against you. He just says, okay, this is where we're at. This is the day that I have made. Rejoice. Let's make the most out of it. Let's get the most out of it. And we start with appreciation. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thanksgiving and praise so often go together. And it's because I think out of every expression we can have, every attitude, it's gratitude that draws spirit and soul together. Your soul desires to return to its relationship with spirit, your spirit. So it's being drawn, your soul is being drawn to your spirit. But it's also fighting that draw because it wants to maintain control. It wants to do things its way. Now God deals with us each individually based on his purpose, based on he knows you better than you ever could. God knows what you need better than you do. He knows what's good for you better than you do. He knows what your tomorrow brings because he's created it. 
He will have you ready in whatever way, shape, or form he chooses. So often we want to know the future so so we can get ready, so we can be prepared. When really, the more we want that, the more I think he's going to hide it. So he's like, no, then you don't need to trust me. And that's part of the reuniting, reunion of our soul and spirit. The more time you spend with him, the more you hear him, the more you are confident of your relationship with him, with his of his love for you, the more unimportant things just fall by the by the wayside. We don't it's not a struggle, it's the goodness of God that draws us. Not the fear of punishment. It's the goodness of God, how wonderful and great he is. And a lot of us have to change our concept of what salvation is and what happens, eternal life, and what happens after we die. Most of that, we don't have words to describe what it's like. Because, for starters, it's not time-related. It's dimension-related. And most of us can't picture that multidimensional, those multidimensional aspects of God's creation. You know, even just looking at all the planets he created, that, you know, like the Hubble telescope beams back, just to know that the light from those stars, from those planets, those stars have flickered out and died Billions of years ago, and yet the light's just now reaching us. We have a hard time comprehending that kind of space, that kind of time, that kind of distance. Because we're so used to just seeing things from our own perspective. I think that's one of the reasons God draws us into learning and desiring the supernatural abilities that are in our bodies now, that are in our soul now. He gives us a desire, he gives us a a thirst to understand the supernatural realm, the supernatural abilities that we have. I mean, most Christians, if you ask them, would you like to learn how to raise the dead? On the one hand, they'd say, well, yeah, that'd be really cool because that's what my Savior did. On the other hand, but I'd never be able to do that. And I think God wants to bring that up to the surface and deal with it. Why do we think that these abilities, you know, we let's look back in Jesus' time. Pretty much from what I can tell, everybody walked around as in the human form, in human body, they all had hands and feet and arms and legs and a, and a head and a body, a torso. And they talked and they had eyes and they had a nose and they heard and they functioned and they looked very similar to the way we do. And yet we think somehow that the soul has completely lost its ability to relate to spirit. Even our body, which is far more frail and far more 
easily transformed than our soul, that's remained consistent. Let's say from Adam and Eve, let's say Adam and Eve looked in human form just like we do. They had hands and arms and legs, etc. But they were one spirit, soul, and body. But the body that God gave them was perfectly suited for this time here on this earth. Same way your body is suited for this earth zone. And the soul he's placed in your body, he gave it to you for a reason. And part of that reason is to value and appreciate God himself and spirit, your own spirit. Value what he's given you. Value who he is. And to start that process. Now, when we start talking about the supernatural abilities and stirring them up, this does not mean that it's you can't know God unless you understand and are functioning in with your supernatural abilities stirred up. Not in at all the least. God reveals himself in any way he chooses. That's totally his prerogative. He does what he wants. He's a he's a he's the God and he does what he wants. But our opportunity is to respond to his drawing. He's drawing us by his goodness. How do we respond? How do we value his drawing? Is we let him draw us in whatever way he chooses. This is why we often talk, if there's a desire in your heart to know about these things, that came from God. And I'm talking about, again, your supernatural abilities. Some people call them spiritual gifts. We're not using those terms for the specific terms, we, uh, reasons we've already talked about, because they're not spiritual and they're not gifts. They're abilities that came with your soul, and they function in the supernatural realm. So we're, go- we're going to continue to... Now, if you want to use spiritual gifts, Fine. But they're, but they're not. They're neither. They're not a gift and they're not spiritual. But when we talk about what we've learned, you know, let's say the, you know, what been the list, Paul's list, you know, everything from the um, ministry gifts to the power gifts to the gifts of faith, whatever, those are all part of your soul right now. And when we look at those men and women who hung around Jesus when he was walking around in the flesh, in in the body, spirit, soul, and, and body, united, he had to learn how to speak with his father. But once once he did, he and his father were one. He said, you know, you've been so long with me, you don't recognize me when, you know, one of his disciples said, show, show us the Father. He said, have I been so long with you? He knew who he was. He knew he and the Father were one. Well, that's what our end goal is, that we would know. And it's not so we can achieve a purpose. It's because he loves us. 
and there's the change that will have taken place in you know, do we want to use the term humanity for for not having a better word? Ever since Adam fell, the restoration will be back to spirit, soul, and body being complete with the additional character of appreciation, of gratitude. I'm sure other things, but to me that's the main one, is being able to say thank you, God. Adam and Eve never could never never needed to say thank you because it, everything had already had always been provided for them so they didn't have a concept of it not being there we're kind of on the opposite we're learning from okay well we're only going to ask for a bare minimum we're only going to expect expect a bare minimum because then when we die and we go to heaven, then we'll sit on the, on the thrones with a golden crown, and that's when we'll have all our wishes fulfilled. It's after we die. But that's not God's intent. And it's not about our wishes. It's about our desires, that he gives you desires. It's not that he gives us what we want. It's he puts the desires in us that he wants to fulfill. So we will want what he wants us to want. So if you have any desires, if you have any wants, if any of this supernatural stuff is interesting to you, that's God's promise that it will be fulfilled. You're on the right track. You're heading in the right direction. You're simpatico with his desires for you. No other source would give you a desire to know about the supernatural realm. You, because you are now a spirit being, you have the power and authority over the supernatural realm. Also within the supernatural realm. Now before you were a Christian, before you were born again, and those that aren't born again, they have power and authority in the supernatural realm, but not over it. Because only spirit beings, you and me and those that have been born again, and God himself, we're the only spirit beings. We're the only ones who have power and authority over the supernatural realm, as well as within the supernatural realm. God has left enemies here on this earth so we could learn to rule and reign. So we can learn to overcome. So we can learn warfare. Not so we can be really good at stuff, but it's through the process that we learn about his nature, that we are healed, that we can learn how to go to him to get healed. There's two kinds of people on this earth, those that have been rejected and those that have been rejected more. So settle in, in your, you're going to be wounded. You're going to, you're going to be betrayed. You're going to be lied and rejected. That's going to, it's going to happen. So that's not the issue. It's learn to go to God to get those wounds healed. Learn to go to God to get the truth to overcome your lie. And this, that turning is the, your soul turning to your spirit. 
That's precisely the action, the movement that restores your soul to your spirit. It's, and it's such a little thing, and yet it's tremendous. We don't look to the out, outward circumstances. I always think of, of Paul in his last days. The letters he wrote when, you know, as he was getting ready to go to Rome and be killed. He knew he wasn't going to survive that. He knew he was going. that was where he was going to end, uh, end his life. He was convinced that his life's work had been a failure. He considered himself a complete failure. Paul. So for you and I, we have a benefit that we have, we see what the mistakes others have made. We don't have to make those same mistakes. We can build on what others have paid for and accept the small circumstances, the small changes that God is doing are far more important than any great impact we can have because Paul was also convinced that God loved him, that he was in the beloved. He knew where he was going. He knew he was going to be accepted. He knew God loved him. Even though he thought he was a complete failure. So you and I, we have great opportunities. And over time, we'll get into some specifics. But really start any area where you think that this is not something you're interested in, fine. Go find something else to do. God will, God will then point you in the right direction. But if you have any desire, and even if it's just an idea that God wants you to then ask to stir it up, to start being good at, start doing research, start looking into this, do that. You know, it's like learning a new hobby. Oh, I always wanted to learn woodworking or bike riding, whatever, What you start doing it. You don't really, you know, you just start doing it. So that's what we're going to start doing. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.